I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. For 2024, a basket of policy deplorables. The recent death of Sandra Day O'Connor, the first woman named to the United States Supreme Court, turned out reams of mostly positive commentaries on her judicial legacy. Of the commentaries, what stood out was her deep belief that the courts and the legislature should make decisions based on the emerging social consensus and not on the originalism favored by judicial conservatives and the antebellum biases of conservative lawmakers. Rare is a legal or court victory, she wrote, that is not a byproduct of an emerging social consensus. A deep belief that aligns more with the judicial philosophy of David Souter than the textualist approach of Antonin Scalia. Political science has indeed proven that to be effective and relevant. The courts and the legislatures of democracy should not be isolated and insulated from society's mainstream, issuing rulings or writing laws from their mighty perches, unbothered by the world outside. And should refrain from issuing jurisprudence or writing laws that do not reflect the popular sentiment and the popular will, the social consensus. Really? Are our legislative chambers, in this case the House of Representatives and the Senate, really writing proposed laws and resolutions based on the emerging or current social consensus? Are the Senate and the House's law writing in sync with the general public sentiment on critical issues? A careful reading of their policy plans for 2024 suggests that what they plan to legislate next year is a basket of policy deplorables, policy proposals that run counter to popular sentiment and will, hardly representative of the social consensus. At the heart of this deplorable focus, and on top of the legislative priorities for 2024, will be amending the Constitution. The House says it will propose amendments to the economic provisions, and the mastermind of this legislative caper is none other than Speaker Ferdinand Martin Romualdez. Senator Robin Hood Padilla, once questioned for his etiquette during official hours, will propose changing the term limits on the President and the Vice President based on reasons that, this time, will raise questions on his legislative acumen. How unpopular is the effort to amend the Constitution? If today's young have the patience to check the newspaper archives, they will learn that the biggest protest rally ever, at the Rissall Park, was the 1986 call from then-candidate Cory Aquino for the boycott of corporations identified with then-President Ferdinand E. Marcos Sr. The headline of the lead story in the Manila Times the following day was, A Million Came for Cory. It carried the byline of somebody still with the Times, but this time as a third-rate heckler. The second biggest mass protest was staged in the dying days of 1997. In that protest, the followers of then-Vice President Joseph Arap Estrada, at the time deemed as the sure winner in the 1998 presidential elections, teamed up with the Catholic Church, the political opposition, civil society groups, and the constitutional and legal associations to stop a proposal initiated by people close to then-President Fidel V. Ramos to amend the Constitution and enable Mr. Ramos to run for a second term. That one big protest action abruptly stopped the pro-Ramos charter change initiative. From then on, the only pause from the craziness called constitutional amendments were the six years from 2010 to 2016, during the term of President Benigno Aquino III. Except for those six years, the political virus called amending the charter kept infecting every presidency. Under all guises, under deceitful pretexts, couched in fancy legalese which only had insidious intents. In the previous administration of Rodrigo Duterte, its political mandarins even pushed through with the commissioning of groups tasked to write draft charters for a parliamentary form of government. 
Despite warnings from the economic team of Mr. Duterte that the shift to a parliamentary form of government would be a financial nightmare for the nation and unsupportable by revenues. It would also disrupt the normal functioning of the public institutions, especially in that scary period of transition from a presidential to a parliamentary form of government. One of the draft charters, on top of gutting the presidential form of government, even proposed a Bill of Responsibilities for Citizens in lieu of the Bill of Rights, which all democracies hold sacrosanct and inviolable. At that point, many concerned citizens realized that the charter change mania had veered into the twilight zone. Even the respected former political leaders and jurists who accepted the commission to write the draft charters realized they would be forever tainted by their participation in the comical and tragic exercise. Will the fresh attempt at amending the constitution be different in the sense that it will have a happy and fulfilling ending instead of the dismal fates of the previous attempts? Time will tell and only a few things are guaranteed. Mr. Romwaldes can string along the mindless hordes called representatives into that equally mindless undertaking called charter change. Remember the pork barrel? If you ask around, the grapevine will tell you that lawmakers can demand up to 40% commissions from their pork barrel allocations. Incentivized congressmen will vote for anything, even if that betrays the social consensus and the popular will and even if that requires betraying their mothers. Even now, they are so primed to vote for a resolution on constitutional change that is right in the territory of the legal netherworld. History tells us that the last time around, the Senate, even with some brain-dead zombies as honorable members, balked at adopting the House resolution that scrapped the equity and economic provisions in the Constitution. This time around, they will deal with a resolution that a colleague, Mr. Padilla, intends to file, the amendment on the term limits. Mr. Padilla, even with his mustache, does not have enough gravitas to sway his colleagues at this point. Neither can he argue compellingly and convincingly that the Constitution needs urgent political amendments. Most probably, his resolution would get one or two public hearings, then promptly dispatched to the archives. After archiving Mr. Padilla's resolution on political amendments, will the senators adopt the House resolution on gutting the patrimony and equity provisions of the Constitution? Or will they stick with what they have done under previous dispensations, play deadma and allow the resolution to die a natural death? The second one would be liberating for the nation.